Good morning. My name is Bruce Short, and I pastor Maranatha Baptist Church in Nashville, Arkansas. We are located at 300 Trenton Boulevard, and uh, we meet at 1050 for worship on Sunday mornings. We meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study for all ages. And on Sunday mornings at 930, every Sunday morning we have a fellowship time, and then at uh, 955 we have a joint prayer time before services. We would love to have you in our services. We want to welcome you to this series uh, called The Godly Home. And uh, we are using the Grace Broadcaster, The Godly Home. It's Grace Broadcaster number 170. Uh, this is produced by Chapel Library out of Mount Zion Bible Church in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, their ministry is to produce the old guys and to send them uh, throughout the world. Uh, for example, in The Godly Home, we have an article from A.W. Pink, and Pink's a, a young guy, uh, relatively speaking to who they usually use. Uh, A.W. Pink was from 1886 to 1952. Uh, we have The Duties of Husband and Wives by Richard Steele, and we'll finish that study up this morning, and the next time we meet, we will uh, begin uh, Family Duties by John Bunyan. Richard Steele was 1629 to 1692. Did not really realize he was contemporary of John Bunyan until I saw these two guys side by side. John Bunyan was from 1628 to 1688. Then we'll have uh, a teaching on the blood of sprinkling and the children. And really it's, it's about how important it is that we teach our children about the special events and the special things that happen, such as the Passover. Spurgeon, uh, most of you know, was 1800s, 1834 to 1892. And then we will look, uh, lastly, in our study of the godly home, uh, children are to be educated for Christ. And that was Edward Hooker, uh, 1794, 1875. The first time that I began to, to study this booklet, uh, Edward Hooker had not been identified as the author of Children to Be Educated for Christ. And evidently they have found out uh, since that publication with a new publication, he is the author. But we are absolutely convinced that our church, until we began to do family worship, and until to fathers in particular, and father and mothers in general, began to educate their things, their children about the things of the Lord, we will not make any progress in educating our children and raising our children to know the Lord. So we're, we're committed to this. And uh, so we are on our fifth lesson in the Godly Home. Uh, they are all on Sermon Audio where you uh, found this one. Our first lesson that we did was in fact on family worship and it was by uh, A.W. Pink. And it, it is a good study, it's a good read, it's a short read, it's only about three pages. It's, it's worth your time and effort. And you can find The Godly uh, Home, you can call Chapel Library, they'll send it to you. You can also find it online in a PDF, so you don't have to wait to get it. Then we began to look at duties of husband and wives, and we looked uh, at the teachings of, of Richard Steele, and we looked at uh, the duties of husbands and wives in general, and then we looked at the special duty of the husband, which is love. Then we did the special duty of the wife, which is respect. And then we looked, uh, uh, lastly, at the duties of uh, husbands and wives and how to accomplish those duties. And that's the lesson that we are looking at this morning. Uh, all the other lessons are long line 
just like this one is. We do thank you for joining us this morning. And I, I will tell you, I'm doing this without an audience uh, because when I taught this in our church setting, it was, a, it was a wonderful study. We had great interaction, but that lesson failed to record. So I'm having to do it without a live audience. It won't be nearly as good. And we do, if you're anywhere uh, where you can join us, uh, you can go to our website and find out the times that we're doing this one, these studies. Uh, our next one is at, uh, for men, 8.30 on Sunday morning, June the 21st. And for our ladies, it will be after church on June the January 21st. And that will include a pizza meal. We'd love to have you come and study with us. So how do we accomplish these family duties, uh, the duties of husband and wives that are so important? That's what we're looking at this morning. First of all, uh, we, we need to think and we need to begin to teach our young people before they start looking to consider what their duties will be and they should know those duties before they start looking. And one good thing to do if uh, you are not yet in a marriage relationship is to keep yourself pure before marriage. This will help in your duties and responsibilities and faithfulness in marriage after you get married. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, But I say walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the duties of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The flesh calls for gratification, but when it comes to sexual purity, we've got to use the Spirit and keep ourselves pure. The Song of Solomon 2 and 7 says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases, until it's time. And that's after marriage in the marriage relationship. Song of Solomon 3, 5 says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field that you not stir or awaken love until it pleases, just like uh, Song of Solomon 2.7. Song of Solomon 8.4 says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken until it pleases. That's Solomon, Song of Solomon 8 and 4. Leviticus 19.29 says, Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of depravity. We must make sure that we do not raise our daughters up to be prostitutes. We don't need to raise our daughters up and teach them to present them such in such a way that they, they might give off the impression to men that they are available. We must encourage their purity. Until we turn return to sexual purity in the church and in the godly home, we're not going to make any progress towards godliness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 through 8 says this, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. We need to learn how to do that before marriage, not in the passion of the flesh like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. If we are adulterous, if we're fornicators before marriage, it will probably continue in marriage. 
So beware of lust's first beginning and flee it like poison. I want to give you an acrostic flee when it comes to sexual immorality that we are to flee it. The F would stand for fill yourself with Christ. Be full of Christ in the things of God. The L, the first L, the, the L, the only L, would lock out all the lies. Don't believe what the world is telling you about sexual freedom. Believe what the Bible says. Teach your children what uh, uh, Ten Commandments uh, number seven says. Thou shalt not commit adultery. E, the first E, exchange the lies for the truth. What does the Bible say about sexual purity? What's the Bible say about the sexual relationship? Who is it between? And when is the only time that it's proper? And the last E is expose yourself constantly to the light of the Word. Stay in the Word. Study the Word. Be obedient to the Word. Practice what the Word says. Proverbs 5, 7 through 14 says this, and now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. A modern translation says, do not go near her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. At the end, and at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Teach our children to practice sexual purity. It is worth it. It will pay great dividends down the road. So keep your heart, keep our hearts filled with the things of God and our bodies busy about our duty, duties. 2 Timothy 2 and 22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along the, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Momentary pleasure that proceeds to eternal torment is utter folly. That's a quote of Richard Steele. If you've failed here, cleanse your hearts and your hands with Christ's blood of confession to God, with fasting and prayer for His forgiveness and strength against future temptation. So what I'm saying is, if you and your wife did not do it correctly, or if you're a young person and you have already been sexually active, go back, get on your knees, confess it to God, confess it uh, to whoever, whoever you need to confess it to, husbands and wives to one another, and tell God we didn't do it right. Oh God, forgive us that we might start over and have your blessing upon our marriage. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Romans 6, 19 and 20 in a modern translation, and I can't tell you exactly which of the modern translation it is, but it says, 
In the past, I voluntarily gave myself to the service of vice and wickedness for the purpose of doing evil. That's what I did in my lostness. But now, purposely, I give myself to the service of righteousness for the purpose of doing truly good. Drink from your own spring. Be blessed with the wife that God's given you. And you'll not even enjoy mother water. Somebody said it well. Why have hamburger? Why have bologna when you can have steak at the house? That's a funny little silly thing, but that's the truth. Why would we take somebody else's leftovers when we can have the steak at the house? Avoid sexual immorality. Drink from your own spring, and you will not even enjoy muddy water. Drink water from your own cistern, Proverbs 5.15 says, flowing water from your own well. Avoid sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says, Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits, sins against this, is outside the body. Let me go back and start over. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Do not commit sexual immorality. It is not worth it. Matthew 18, 9 says, And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to, with, with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Romans 1, 25 and 26 says, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. So avoid all sexual immorality. We have no idea what it might lead to. So the first thing is to keep yourself pure before marriage and to teach our children to keep themselves pure before marriage, not to keep them from getting pregnant, not that they might not have a child out of wedlock, but to be obedient to God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Number two is choose your spouse carefully. Lots of people have said, I could be quoting lots of people, the quickest way to ruin your life is to marry the wrong person. So we have studied about the duties of husbands and wives. and The duties of husbands and wives together. and uh, Our family worship duties. And so we know that marriage is difficult. A godly marriage is difficult to have. And we should be praying about that marriage and we should be praying before we get married about who we're going to marry. Deuteronomy 24, 5 says, When a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable for any other public duty. He shall be free at home one year to be happy with his wife whom he has taken. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes consideration. It takes passion to take care of your wife. So this is a quote from Richard Steele. Do not first love and then consider. But we are to consider and then fall in love. So what Richard Steele is talking about, you better consider 
who that person is that you are interested in or thinking about having a relationship with. You better consider, are they walking with God now? Are they committed to a local church? Have they been and do they appear to be a person that's concerned about sexual immorality, sexual purity? We are first to consider and then to fall in love. Why would we do that? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The Lord is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Don't trust your heart. Have you some rules? Have you some uh, a criteria that you're looking for? And don't go outside that criteria. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Make their soul your main concern, not their looks or not their money. Are they saved? Are they walking with the Lord? Are they serving the Lord? Are they an obvious child of God? 2 Corinthians 6, 14-18 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Baal? Or what portion does the believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Do not date. Do not show any interest. Do not approach. Not become casual friends with an unbeliever that you might be attracted to to marry. You would be unequally yoked being with someone who's not being a follower of Christ compared to you who are and you have a great desire to follow Christ. Also, consider their personality. I mean, do you like this person? Speak honestly to one another about your faults and liabilities before marriage. Don't hold back your worst fault and get them to tell you their worst fault. If somebody sold you a sick animal as a healthy one, you'd feel cheated. Well, when we do not present ourselves as we really are to someone, and then we become yoked with them, we have cheated them. They should have known up front what our faults were. We're going to spend the rest of eternity here with that person. How much worse is it when someone pretends to be better than they really are just to secure marriage to one that they profess to love? Deuteronomy 7, 3-4 says this, You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. And then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. You marry someone that's not a follower of Jesus. There is a great chance that they will lead you away from God. Judges 3, 5 through 6. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. That's what happens. 
So, number one is keep yourself pure sexually before marriage. Number two is choose your spouse carefully. And number three is study biblical marriage duties before you have them. Even before you start looking. Uh, prepare well beforehand. It grieves me that we probably have 10 or 15 young ladies. Uh, just I'm just talking about young ladies in our church who their parents, their grandparents, could have them here for this instruction. And they're not here. If we're going to have great marriages, we've got to prepare to be great husbands and great wives. This is something that needs to be taught to our children <coughs> before they begin to consider marriage. Well beforehand. Proverbs 19.2 Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses the way. Titus 2, 3-5. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, and to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. No wonder that so many marriages fail. Men and women have no clue in how marriage is supposed to work. There are few good examples out there. Too often the husband does not know how to love or to rule, and the wife has no idea how to submit, respect, or obey. They start ignorant, conceited, miserable, and likely will stay that way. Another quote from Richard Steele. Parents and churches must teach the children about the duties of marriage. And parents, moms, and dads, and grandparents must get their children there for the teaching. Otherwise, families, another Richard Steele quote, which should be the nurseries of the church, prove to be hotbeds of disorder and immorality. Psalms 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Read not only scripture, but good books like this. And, and Chapel Library has uh, the duties of the husband, the duties of the wife, the godly husband. Uh, I, I believe there's nine or different, ten different grace broadcasters on the husband, wife, and the family. Study good books. Read Gouges of Domestical Duties or Wilson's Reforming Marriage. These are good books. Read them, study them, teach them to your children. So not only are we to stay pure before we get married, not only are we to choose our spouse carefully, not only are we to study biblical marriage duties before we get married, but we also need to resolve to obey God without any reservation. Now, what am I talking about here? Until you're born again and made holy in your heart and conduct, you cannot please God or be a complete blessing to your spouse. You can only live as civil pagans. The husband that truly fears God cannot remain bitter against his wife. We need to obey God without reservation. Let me give you for an example. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger 
and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That includes your spouse. A Bible placed between you and your wife eliminates many differences, comforts many distresses, and guides you in many confounding circumstances. A time of prayer, twice, maybe three times a day, will tamper any passion or anger. So what am I talking about? If you know you're going to have to pray at breakfast, if you know you're going to have to pray at lunch, if you know you're going to have to pray at dinner, if you know that you're going to have to pray at bedtime, you know that you're going to have to be in a right relationship not only with God, but with your spouse and with your children. Remember, remember this. God's commands have the highest reason, and so obedience has the greatest sweetness. Keep the golden rule in your marriage. Treat them like you want to be treated, regardless of how they might be treating you at the time. Being holy and righteous everywhere else does not excuse wickedness, anger, shouting, and other vices at home. Don't compartmentalize. Don't be a good guy at church. Don't be a good wife at, uh, don't be a good uh, husband at work or a good husband at church or a good man at the church and go home and be wicked and shout at your wife. There should never be shouting at our children or at our wives or at our husbands. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. So when you each focus on your own duties, you'll be blessed. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect and submit to your husbands. So we looked at the, the first duty is... We have, uh, we have uh, responsibilities to accomplish our duties in marriage. We are to keep ourselves pure before marriage. We are to be careful to choose our spouse carefully. We are to study biblical marriage duties before we have them, even before we start looking. And we are to resolve to obey God without any reservation. And here's number five. Get and maintain true affection for your spouse. Give no place to jealousy. Do not give ear to backbiters or gossips that might say something bad against your spouse. Proverbs 4, 23 and 24. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Do not read suggestive books or watch such on the phone or TV. Proverbs 4, 25 through 7, 27 says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways shall be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Listen, pornography is not acceptable and godly men will not accept it as normal in their lives or in the lives of fellow brothers and sisters in the church brothers in the church. A, pornography is fornication. 
It is an adultery. It is a grievous sin. It is a sin that will ruin your sexual life and probably destroy your marriage. And jealousy often develops where true affection was lacking from the start. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Never give your spouse a reason to be jealous. Love them. Treat them with respect. Have eyes only for them. And treat them the way that you want to be treated. So keep yourself pure before marriage. Consider well who you're going to marry before you approach them. Choose your spouse carefully. Study biblical marriage duties before you get married. Resolve to obey God without any reservation. We just looked at get and maintain true affection for your spouse. Let me say it again. Listen, men. Pornography is never accepted. It is never appropriate. Stay away from it. And then pray for the spiritual graces of God to be poured out upon you as you try to be a godly husband or a godly wife or as you both try to do the duties that are laid upon you or, or to be teachers and your duties towards your children. Pray for God's graces. Pray for wisdom. A lack of wisdom causes many troubles in the marriage. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to, the, to advice. Young men, bend the ear of older men and get all the advice that you can. Advice from whom? We need much wisdom to love and rule as husbands and to submit and respect as wives. Older women are to teach the younger women. Older men are to teach the younger men. And younger women and younger men are to take the advice of good, godly, older people who are doing marriage right. James 1 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously all without find with, gives generously all without reproach, and it will be given him. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 19. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, don't think you're too smart to be taught. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it's written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. So, ask for wisdom. Number two, ask and seek after humility. This keeps the husband from becoming a jerk, and it keeps the wife in ready subjection to her husband. The wife is always looking for an opportunity to submit. The husband is always looking for a way to show love to his wife. Proverbs 13 says, 10 says, By insolent comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. A proud person could not agree with an angel. This is another still quote. But the humble will agree with anybody. But watch your agreements. Don't agree with the ungodly about some ungodly thing that you should do or participate in as a married person. Humility will always promote contentment. In other words, I don't have to have my own way. So real humility will say this. This is another Richard Steele quote. The humble husband and wife will say, my spouse is far too good for such a sinful person as myself. I don't deserve such a wonderful partner. That was a sharp reproof but it was nothing compared to hell. 
is which is what I deserve. So this is just saying we, we need to real we need to believe we need to make sure we married above what we deserved. And we need to act in such a way that they know that they married above what they deserved. And we should work hard at being humble. We should be appreciative and we should be ashamed that God was so gracious to give us such a godly husband or a godly wife. 1 Peter 5, 5-7 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Close yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Truly humble people are easy companions. So, ask for wisdom, ask for humility, and ask for uprightness. An upright heart is needed to keep these commandments of God. A heart that's seeking after God. The heart that's looking heavenwardly. Titus 2, 11 through 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's what we want. We want to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in our homes. An upright heart will choose the safest course, even if it's the hardest. Psalm 710 says, My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. It will suffer the worst injury rather than cause the least injury. That should be what we do. We should, we should, uh, we should be willing to accept correction. We should be willing to be humble if it's for the sake of keeping peace. It will watch, the upright heart will watch against the beginnings of sin, which produce marriage's worst troubles. The upright husband and wife will strive each to do their own duty and will be the most severe, not against their spouse, but against their own failures. With that in mind, husbands and wives, when we have made mistakes, when we have, we have failed, we need to get on our knees, we need to ask God for forgiveness, and we need to ask our spouses and our families for forgiveness. Ephesians 5.33 says, this is it. Husbands and wives, don't forget. Husbands, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. You want some good marriage counseling? Embrace Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, especially Ephesians 5, 33. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to and respect your husbands. I pray that uh, you benefited from this study. I pray that you would take it and apply it to your lives. Remember our next study will begin chat will begin the third study in this grace broadcaster family duties that uh, and that lesson will be from John Bunyan the man that wrote Pilgrim's Progress the man that so sought after God the man that uh, uh, we should all want to receive more and more instructions we'll spend 2 3 weeks looking at what he says about the duties of husbands and wives uh, towards each other, towards God, and to raising their children.
Thank you for being with us. Uh, if, if you enjoy this teaching, uh, tell other people about it. Uh, get the broadcaster. Get the good stuff from Chapel Library and begin to teach yourselves and to teach those around you. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would take this lesson today in my life, in my wife's life, in the, in the lives of the husbands and wives in this church, the men, the young men, the, the women, the young women in this church, and the ones that might hear it, and do with us as far as having a godly home, being godly husbands and wives, what you see fit to do. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.